Psalms chapter 1. How blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the assembly of scoffers. Instead, he finds pleasure in obeying the Lord's commands. He meditates on his commands day and night. He's like a tree planted by the flowing streams. It yields. He's like a tree planted by flowing streams. It yields. It's fruit in the proper time. And the leaves will never fall off. He succeeds in everything he attempts. read it again. How blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the assembly of scoffers. Instead, he finds his pleasure in obeying the Lord's commands. He meditates on his commands day and night. He is like a tree planted by flowing streams. It yields its fruit in proper time and its leaves will never fall off he succeeds in everything he attempts it's not that way with the wicked instead they're like the wind driven chaff for this reason the wicked cannot withstand the judgments of the Lord and nor can sinners join the assembly of the godly. You hear that? Where truly, where truly, where truly the assembly of God is, the sinner cannot even join in. Certainly, the Lord will guard us, we the godly ones. He's got us, we're his. But the way of the wicked is destruction. Amen. Till his kingdom is all that 
Like our belief that the sun is what gives light to the world. Unless the moon is bright, how can we see in the dark? Oh, God, forgive us, forgive us. You are the beginning of all things. The sun gives light, cause you are light, it's the shadow of you. The moon gives light, because it's reflecting you, and only you. You are the beginning of all things. You are the beginning of all things. You are the beginning of all things. All things. Of all things. Oh, you are the beginning of all things. They all consist in you. The sun gives light. Because it is a shadow and a picture of you, the light of the world. to keep us earthly, keep our eyes focused on what we can see. Oh, oh, we close our eyes and focus on what you want us to see, God. We believe your word. We believe your promise. We believe your promise. We stake our lives on the promise of God. The promise of God. The promise of to hear, Lord, because we know the promise you made. Oh, we stake our lives on the promise you made. We stake our lives in faith, in faith, in faith, in faith. Oh, it's not that I can do what you told me, Lord. It's that you can bring me through like you promised, Lord. Oh, in faith.
chapter 1 verse 15 he is the image of the invisible God he's the firstborn over all creation for all things in heaven and on earth were created by him and all things whether invisible or invisible whether thrones or dominions whether principalities or powers all things were created through him and for him he himself is before all things and all things are held together in him he is the head of the body the church as well as the beginning the firstborn from among the dead so that he himself may become first in all things for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in the Son, and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself by making peace through the blood of His cross and through Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven.
out of Micah, chapter 7, verse 8. My enemies, do not gloat over me. Though I have fallen, I, I will rise. Listen up, my enemies. Do not gloat over me. Though I was seated or though I've sat down, I will rise. And though I've sat in darkness, You're the red. 
resurrection and the life, Jesus. I magnify you. I glorify you, Lord. I honor you, Jesus. Bless the name of the Lord, all ye saints. Come and bless the Lord with me. Bless the Lord. Bless you, Father. Go up, go up, go up. The heavens declare your glory. The firmament, your majesty.
it's not a regression or a regret. It's an ingression. He's ingrated in you. The fullness of Christ in us, the hope of glory, the ingression. No more regret, but an ingression. Christ in me, Christ in me, seeking a dwelling place where he can remain permanently all his days. Now, now in us, an agreement. Now, now glory, now victory, now the honor, now. Oh, you're the victory, Lord. You yourself are the one that my soul longs for. You're the one. Everything in all fullness and everything that I long for is you. There was nothing else but you. You're my satisfaction. Holy Spirit, move!
Consciousness of sin. Burn, Holy Ghost, with your great blazing fire. Burn hot. Wind blow the flame. Blow, blow, blow the flame in us, Lord. Let the fire rise.
hands on the sun and the moon like horses driven by kings and you cover the mountains and the valleys below with the breath of your mighty wings oh you hold the reins of the sun and the moon like horses driven by you cover the mountains and the valleys below with the breath of your mighty wings. All treasures of wisdom and things to be known, they're hidden inside your hand. And in this fortunate turn of events, you ask me to be. You ask me to be your friend. And you, you are my first, you are my last, you are my future and my past. And you, you are my
Amen. <laughs> the man. <laughs> We're going to have to start closing our prayers with the man. The man Jesus Christ. The quintessential man. The penultimate man. I have, like, this morning, I'm, the Word told me to sit down for a minute. I say, okay, I'll sit down. He's like, I think, trying to prepare me for what I'm about to say because I probably have 87 thoughts going through my mind at the exact same time, and I'm trying to, like, center them up into a framework that will be um, edifying and edible, you know, so that we can partake of the goodness of God's Word together. And I believe that where I'd like to start as an entry point would be Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. And I'd like to, if you were to think like we were going to go into a, like a vortex or like a, a point of, a place that we're going to enter and then we're going to go on this journey together. When I flew for the Air Force, some of you know that, but when I flew, they, one of our things was we would we'd leave our runway and we'd pop up to about 30, 35,000 feet. And then the goal was to hit, or hit an entry point. And if you've seen Maverick, the new film that's out, you kind of know that uh, once you get up to your entry point, then you, know, you fly a route. And then our purpose was to put uh, bombs on target at a particular time, and it had to be at a... You had to adjust for winds, and you had to adjust for terrain, and you had to adjust for, um, you know, density and, and all kinds of different factors when flying that route because the point was to get uh, what they call TOT or time over target. We had to hit those times about plus or minus 15 seconds, but our goal, some of our Air Force guys, was to hit them zero seconds off. And so we would figure this the night before and figure, like, takeoff times, 15-minute differences, depending on, you know, delays and things like that on the runway. And, and so what happens when you come up and then we would dive out of the sky down to 500 feet and then we would hit our entry point and then we'd level off and then we'd be on the route and you, you make all these turns. And this morning, if you want to think like that with me, what we're going to attempt to do is we've already taken off, as y'all can tell, we, uh, we got off the runway Oh, we got up into the heavens, didn't we? <laughs> you know, man. It's not the big bang, it's the big blaze. <laughs> I don't know if y'all know what I mean, but the blazing forth when God created the heavens and the earth, uh, the blazing of the Holy Ghost and the desire to burn hot within us. And I don't know if you felt that. I was like, I can't, you know, I might have to dial it back on the blaze a little bit. But he's like, call for the wind. I'm like, if you, if you blaze this thing up any hotter, I'm, my chest feels like it's going to pop. Like, it's so good. The love's so strong. Love just at the center of the way God made us to blaze with love and this union of God's love in the human soul. And so we experience this, you know, the goodness of heaven and now diving down into the entry point 
And our entry point, I believe this morning, would be Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. Uh, for the Father, he was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in the Son. It was the Father's great delight that the only way to reconcile the world to him, God reconciling the world to him, that he would reconcile the whole earth by allowing himself to be completely vested in his own son. The son. He wanted all of his fullness to dwell. It's an aorist verb. In the aorist, the way that I understand the aorist tense is a bounded whole. What does that mean, Carol? We don't really speak in the aorist tense. That's why I believe that in the fullness of time when God sent forth his son, he sent him in to where the writers would be Greek because he knew that there weren't tenses in some of the other languages to handle maybe the tense that we would need to understand. And so there's a, there's a Greek tense called aorist that we need a little bit more understanding in because when we speak from the aorist tense, we're speaking from a completion or what I've read is the whole of something. So when we're speaking aorist, and there's aorist passive and aorist active, that this word that's being presented here, the fullness to dwell, God had an idea of the, bound, the boundless nature of himself to dwell inside of a human being. From, as far as from the east is to the west, from the alpha to the omega, from the olive to the top, I'm going to place all of this into a man. And you heard me during the worship said this was ingressive. It wasn't, to, it wasn't a matter of regret. It was a matter of ingress. God wanted fullness to dwell inside of man, his own nature. And so he had to start with one man to put in a bounded hole of himself. Another way to say this is he began to take up residence inside of a human being. He found a house. He found some, he found a home, he, he, found, he found a palace that was suitable for him to dwell within. Any of you ever been homeless or houseless? You ever been in a situation like that where you don't know where you're going to live next? Or God has that prop, God has had that problem. God knows this better than we do. Eyes going throughout the earth looking. Oh, man, if I could just find someone I could just remain with and hang out with, I could reconcile everything. I, I could restore everything if I could just find a, this is not the best word, but medium. 
I need an interface. God needs a way to interface with humanity. Do you imagine that you love so much and that you wanted to be able to communicate with someone, but you couldn't? Yeah, anybody ever had this problem? Any of us ever had issues with communication? <laughs> Stop now. Like, if I could just relate, if I, if I could just tell that person what I'm really thinking, I can't seem to get the right words out. They seem always to like, I try to say the words, and if any of you have ever had this happen, and I think we all have, you're like trying to say something, but you just can't get it right, and let's say that the other person sort of walled off to you. How am I going to get this across? God has this issue, he had this issue with man. I can't get across who I am. And I want to so bad because, listen, he's so loving. And so he was so pleased. This is what, this is saying, Colossians 1. He was so excited, so pleased. He finally found somebody that he could get himself across through. He didn't want a machine language. He didn't want machine code. He wanted human code. He didn't want a machine, and he didn't want a he didn't want a mannequin. He didn't want to impose himself. Do you know if God imposed himself on us that he would be a tyrant? That that means that he can't. He's forbid his own self, even though he has every right to. He's forbid himself from imposing himself on you. Like, think about that, some of you that have raised children. And you really want them to understand something, and you're having a hard time communicating it to them. Anybody ever had this issue? <laughs> and when they're younger, you might discipline them. They get older, you can't. It's like, what do you do? Your hands are sort of tied. You're kind of left at a loss in a way. And a lot of parents, they just begin to pray. A good Christian family, I don't have to pray for them because I can't get across to them what I'm trying to say. And thankfully, it's not like that in every home, but in any kind of communication, it can break down. Something's not translating. The Lord didn't want a temporary place to dwell either. He's, he's not a renter. The Lord doesn't want to rent. I think some of God's people have wanted to set up a rental agreement with Jesus. If you don't work out, I'm going to get me another place. It's too small. We've thought of him like that, maybe. Set up a rental agreement, and, and the Lord's like, no, I want, I want permanency. I'm the one thing. I want a place to dwell. I want a place that I can take up residence and remain forever. I want to give you the whole of who I am. Do you think, think about this? How many of us, and I, I know this myself, I'll just say for me, I, I can confess. How many would 
have years ago said, I could settle for that. Many of us have been willing to settle for a concept of God. Some have allowed him to come into his, their consciousness. But to let God to say, God, you see what I'm saying? You can't even get on this entry path, entry point without this understanding. Do you see what I'm getting at? You can't even go farther out. We can worship and get the plane off the ground and get up into the heavens, but when push comes to shove, ladies and gentlemen, the entry point starts when you want one thing. Listen, you got to hear this out because so many people are thinking differently about life and they're not even entering in. They're not entering into rest. Remember, Israel wasn't entering into the entry point because they wanted a rental agreement with God. You, th this would frustrate a lot of people because you're saying, Carol, you're saying that I can't get started until he becomes everything to me. Let me suggest that. Let me suggest that that's what Paul is saying. Um, David said this. We brought this up last week. Psalms 24, verse 7. He said, David said this, he said one thing. Not two things, not three things, not 18 things, not rental agreement. One thing have I desired. I want to dwell. Listen to this. I want to dwell all my days. I want to gaze on your beauty and inquire in your temple. Listen, last week... I got up here and I said, and I'm, I'm glad I could be up here this week because I mispronounced it last week. I kept looking at it in the uh, Hebrew and it spelled S-I-B-T, which I pronounced Sabit. But when David said in 24-7, I want to dwell, that word was Shabbat. <laughs> I almost think, you know, Stephen was, after we had our debrief, he said, Carol, I thought you were saying Submit. You know, submit. And I said, no, I was saying submit, but I was mispronouncing it. It was Shabbat. David was saying this. He says, I only want one thing. I want a Shabbat every day. So, and if you heard last week's sermon, you know we got into Genesis 18. And remember, Abraham was sitting at the tent door. Remember this? And if you didn't, please listen to last week's because it will make sense for today. And if you need that, our podcast is Galactic Progeny. Galactic Progeny on SoundCloud. And I would recommend, there's, there's Henry's done such a beautiful job with this. 130 podcasts on there, and they're just, you know, they come from the Lord. But I, back to the point, David was saying, I want a Shabbat. And man, when I found out Sunday night it was Shabbat, I said, no, no, that can't be the, that cannot be the word. I don't know if like you, that Sabbath to me seemed machine-like and mechanical. It's kind of weird because we would think that Sabbath would be, it couldn't be the machine. But for me, I've always taken Sabbath as a machine language. 
I'll tell you why, because here was the mechanism. Stop what you're doing, quit doing it, and wait around. Something don't seem right to me. Now, you could say you're resisting Shabbat, Carol. But it seemed like that I could not understand how something could be so, I know this sounds bad, superficial. As God would take, now you have to understand, we went through 16 weeks. And this is the last S. We've had 16 S's. And I'll go through them here in a second if I don't remind me. We have 16 S's, and the last S, the indoxation of the Spirit, is to enter into Shabbat. And I said, no way, Lord, no way. It can't be that's the word. Now, y'all all look at me and say, of course it is, Carol. Well, I, I had to dig because I didn't believe it. So I looked into the etymology of Shabbat, and up from Shabbat comes this word, Yashem. You know this word in the Hebrew, it means to sit down or remain. It means to be inhabited with. It means to marry. I said, oh, the root word of Shabbat is Yasheb, and Yasheb means to be inhabited. Yasheb means to remain. Yasheb means to be still. Yasheb means to marry. Yasheb, in this way, in the root of Shabbat, is covenantal. It is full relational connection. I said, oh, now, oh, Lord, Shabbat is amazing. Shabbat is complete rest in the middle of adversity. Shabbat is complete and utter peace in the middle of of conflict chaos. Shabbat is in the middle of the whole world, falls off its axis, and you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Yasheb is when the law is not dominating the human heart, and it's not legal, but it's grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. Shabbat is the freedom of not making judgment any longer, judging oneself or judging another but remaining in the glory of the presence of the Lord. Shabbat is the gaze of the splendor of the majesty of the Godhead. Him manifesting himself around you and you're gazing on his glory. Shabbat is true inquiry and true understanding downloaded into your consciousness. I'll have Shabbat every moment of every day. I was like, Shabbat, let's do this Shabbat. I turned my will out of judgment. John chapter 1, verse 17. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Do you see? Why would there be a differentiation of Moses? Why? A number of weeks ago, we're in, we're in here, and, and the Lord... That, well, it was before that. He woke me up that morning. He says, cast out the mechanical substrate. And I, what is that? Oh, okay. I'll take the machine, take the machine coding out. I was like, you're saying I have, you want me to partner with you in this? Yes, I want you to say. I want you, I want the machine out. I'm a man. 
I'm a human. I want the machine out. He said, cast out. Cast out. Cast out. So piggyback off last week, it gets into Romans. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Cast out the machine. Cast out the mechanical substrate. And I said, Lord, he said, and, and ask me, ask me to install the pattern. Carol, we don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to tell you. Exodus 26, 30. Hebrews 8, 5. Go up to the mountain. Go up to the mountain and wait. I'm going to reveal to you the pattern. Set up the tabernacle, the mishkan. Set up the dwelling place. You hear this language? According to the pattern, which is revealed to you on the mountain. You see? And I, I was like, what happened, Lord? He says, y'all chose the mechanical substrate. You chose the law. At the fall, you chose the law. You chose to make judgment. I want you to cast out the, me the mechanism, the machine. And I want you to enter into true freedom of grace and truth. You're going to have to make a decision that you don't want this mechanism in your life anymore. That you just want me. You're going to make, you're going to have to, you don't have to. I would highly recommend that you take me on, take me. And so we were in the meeting, and the S that came out was subsistence. And I went deeper into to the, the word of this, and this is going to... So we, we went into the entry point, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. Let's pick up our next point, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Let's go to it together. You're on the journey. You're flying now. You're down... Well, if you're in Maverick, you got to stay underneath the... I think they were 100 foot off the deck. I flew 500 foot off the deck, and I'm going to tell you, going 660 knots at 100 feet off the deck, 200 feet off the deck, is you're going to die. We did 500 feet off the deck at about, I flew at about 320 to 300, at, right at 400 knots. <clears throat> it's moving. And that wasn't in a canyon. Let's just say that, that that's incredible. Let's get to the next point. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The sun is the radiance of his glory. And the representation of his essence. He sustains all things by the word of his power. Oh, man. It pleased the Father that all the fullness of the Son would dwell, or the fullness of the Father would dwell in the Son. Now, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the Son now is the radiance. He radiates life. He radiates uh, holiness and the brightness. He's a radiation. He's the, he's the atomic guy. He's the true enlightenment. He's the radiation of his glory. This word here, the representation of his essence, this is where my interest is. 
that he is the perfect imprint of the image of God's nature. The perfect imprint of his nature is this technical uh, Greek word, hypostasis. All right, follow with me. God tells Moses, set up the Mishkan according to the pattern which is revealed to you on the mountain. What is the pattern? I would suggest to you, because I, I received this from the Lord, took 17 years to mine for this. I found it was the Melchizedek order. And if you take the Melchizedek in the Hebrew, there are seven letters and one uh, connector, I think it's called a dogish, that's in between the letters. It says Melech is Zadok, a king, the one who is righteous, something like this. It's, there's different scholarship on this, but the righteous one. Now, what is this hypostasis or this essence? Because without essence, there isn't radiance. Without imprint, there's no radiance. You, you guys see this? And the word that flows forth, that upholds by the word of, their, of his power, God was interested in sending forth the Son to reconcile us back to himself, to restore hypostatic union. I'm going to try to explain this. In your soul, there are eight points. A mem, a lamed, a kaf, and a yod. That spells meliki, which means king. There's a dogish in between that, a connector. It's a light connector between the kingship and priesthood. And then Zadok. And that eight-point connector, when God made you, he put an eight-point connector inside of you. And that eight-point connector is this hypostasis. He's taught me that 18 years now, 17 years to discover this. 18 years of pioneering with the Lord because he said, I'm going to have a glorified body and the only way is to go this path. Now find the pattern. He told my wife, 18 years ago, I called her because the Lord said, leave your flight career. you got to move to the mountain and salute it. And I asked her, I said, can you get a word from the Lord? She's reading through the Bible. She gets to Exodus 26. She calls me back 15 minutes later. She says, the Lord spoke to me, Exodus 26, 30. Set up the tabernacle, the Mishkan, according to the pattern, which is revealed to you on the mountain. 17 years later, the pattern reveals itself to me when I'm pulling up in my vehicle. On a black cube, I see gold letters. It says Melchizedek. And the Lord said, you found the pattern. He told me so into the pattern, he gave me eight pastors to give into because he says each one of them represent a component of this pattern. And if you'll give to them, I'm going to bring the glorification of man. And I was like, oh, Lord. And so there's a rest restoration of hypostasis or hypostatic union. The the union between God and man, what is it? I, I it took me like three days to figure this out a few weeks ago. When this letter S of subsistence, which is hypostasis, introduced itself to me, he said the points, the contacts had been corroded. 
Some of them are so dark from sin and black and even demonic powers have set on people's souls that they're keeping hypostasis, this union between God and man from happening. When God made you, he said it's good because he put this eight-point pattern inside of you and sin came in and corrupted it. It corroded it. Uh, Janie McManus pointed this out. Corrosion came and, and uh, even uh, Dr. Vickery, Gus Vickery, he pointed out this thing of iron in the soul. It got around the contacts. It stopped the flow from happening. And we as believers have been on this journey and the Lord said to me, he says, so much of the church has been involved in correcting maybe three of those points, but he wants all eight restored. What? They've been, you've been on an Aaronic flow, the Zadok righteousness flow, but you've not brought king and priest together. I'm going to cause an awakening to come where I'm going to cause all four contacts to be completely restored and I will have union in the soul of men. I will have a way that my light can radiate through men and men can be restored back to relationship with me. This is what I came for. And ultimately, it will lead to the glorification of men. Because, I don't know if you know this, but your human soul is upgradable. Oh, you like it, don't you? I love it. And I'm not a machine, I'm a human. In relation with the divine. It was the sole expression of the glory of God outraying from the Son who had hypostasis with the Father that now out of his mouth is proceeding the word and upholding by the powerful word of God. You won't live by bread alone. Have you not learned, O remnant? But you will live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord. Right? I said, oh man, so what is it? And he said, um, I'll, I'll read you. <laughs> At least it's recorded, because then you can listen to it again. Extract out the remnants of the mechanical substrate and restore full hypostasis. And I, I put this in there, a divine human Melchizedek interface for translucent open-ended architecture. You, here's the thing, you have to agree, and the way we agree is we just transfer our trust over. For the righteous shall live by faith. Point number three. And the just shall live by faith. And if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. What was that? Rejection? Correction? No. No, he wanted ingression. It wasn't rejecting by saying my soul has no pleasure. Maybe it wasn't even correction. It was longing to, for pleasure. We've confused him in a way. He wanted ingression. He wanted connection. Not rejection. Not correction in the sense. Yes, he corrects us. Yes, he disciplines us. But, but more. He wanted connection. What? Eight-point connection. Extract out the remnants of the mechanical substrate. What? Why do you think it gives me a command? Well, I don't like anybody telling me what to do. Well, you'll get to the point with the Lord where you'd rather have his commands. 
Please tell me what to do. The rebellion gets out. You finally agree. You know what's best since you created me. Please tell me what to do. Your commands, and it'll say this in Psalms 119 over and over and over again. They're just sweet. I mean, the psalmist will be like, man, please give me a command. Please tell me what to do. The rebellion goes away, and you want to be told what to do. You long for him to be in charge. So when he tells me, extract out the remnants of the mechanical substrate and restore full hypostasis, this, what all, all I can do is agree because I need grace. I can't do this out of my own. Who could do this? Who is sufficient for these things? If God was to mark iniquity, who could stand? No one's sufficient. The only thing that you have in your toolkit is the just shall live by faith. That's relationship with the Father. You have nothing else to go on, folks. You can't buy this. Remember the guy that tried to do that? That don't work. You can't get into better activities to get God's approval. Uh, that's not going to work. Uh, that's, called, that's called religion, by the way. That's not the gospel. No, he says transfer your trust over to me. There's our next, that's the third point. So we have the entry point. Now we have the second point. Now we have the third point. Partnership. By trust. God put within me an interface. It's called a hypostasis. He put in me an interface. The interface was broken because of the fall. It's either broken, cracked, the, the contacts are corroded. Some of them have turned silver. He wants to turn them all gold. He's after gold, guys, because it's the best conductor. Some of it's been copper. Some of it was wood, hay, and stubble. You know, if you get wood wet, it's hard. I mean, yeah, it'll finally get lit. But, I mean, he wants gold. He wants full connection for an interface for translucent, open-ended architecture. It's open-ended. You know, because the whole church arrival, I arrived. Remember when I was saved? Yeah, that was good. Remember when I was sanctified? Okay, that's fine. You're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Uh, okay, that's good. God wants an open-ended architecture. Let's just get real. God's not in a rival since he's uncreated. <laughs> since he is eternity, how could he ever try to get to an How could he be just on built on some kind of a rival point? He's uncreated. This will never stop. Who knows what we shall be? Oh, man. <laughs> I get excited about that. It was really cool a couple years ago. The Lord's like, take the Melchizedek words. And he tells me, he said, go twist them and turn them in Hebrew. And I found this odd thing with the English language. How do I say this? Because the English language will look like the letters and say something different. But the letters themselves in the Hebrew will mean something different, have a numerical thing, but the English language has some way of matching with it or encoding off of it. It's, I, but I'll give you what I'm saying. So I took the Mem, Lamed, Kof, Yo, Dagish, what do I got here? Zade, Dalit, Kof. And he said, turn the Lamed, and I moved it. And he said, turn the Kof, and I, I moved it. And I moved them around. And you know what it said? Milky Way. 
And he said, you know what you just found? The pattern that I designed a human being with and the pattern I designed the whole cosmos with. I said, I've come across, I told Kara, I've come across the greatest discovery of all time. And it was always in the Bible. And she said, what are you talking about? I was like, it's Melchizedek. It's the order. It was the original pattern that he, when he drew up dust and he said, boom, put the order in them. He put this order. Here, here's the fourth point. I heard this this weekend on a podcast. I was listening to it, and there's some guys that think that they're kind of, there's these scholars that are persisting this point that God adapted himself to man. God changed himself for man. I want to tell you, I don't agree with that whatsoever. I don't think God, and I'm going to tell you because point number four can be, it really is pervasive in people's minds more than they realize that God should adapt to me. We think this more than we say this. And we would say that if someone said this, yeah, we, uh, we agree that we, don't, we shouldn't do that. But in fact, a lot of us live our life like that. And let's just be real. We're wanting an adaptable God to our own mind and our own ideas and to our family ideas. Point number four, God doesn't adapt himself and change himself for us God reconciles his fullness through a man so that we can become like him and we need to be this is so important because the offense that comes inside of man again point this fourth journey that we're on is that God should adapt himself to me that is what is called making God in your own image and it is called idolatry and it lead, can lead to adultery. You see, it's AI, artificial intelligence. It's adultery and idolatry. So maybe we do recognize that Jesus is the head, that he, okay? Maybe we do recognize that. And maybe we get on this journey and we, maybe we get a little bit farther down and, and we, we say, okay, Jesus, you're the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I, I agree. Okay, entry point, God, God wanted all the fullness to dwell in this man. Number two, okay, I can agree that he's the radiance. He's the fulging forth. And I love this hypostatic union language, right? And I love this eight-point pattern of the Melchizedek order that was installed for me. Number, that was number two. Okay, the next sticky point, the just shall live by faith. That's my only transactional way to do it. That's it, guys. That's all you have. That was one of the products of the Reformation. That was Luther's big thing. Uh, that is your mode. Let's just put it that way. Let's just say that is the mode of the believer. Next sticking point. God doesn't adapt himself to us. Oh, now you're, you mean he's, he's uh, into determination? You mean it's going to be his decision how you live and who you marry and where you, it's his decision? He is the king, isn't he? He owns everything and us. You've been bought with a price, right? I mean, it's in the Bible, okay. And the wrestling match starts to happen at number four or more. 
The wrestling match happens because I'm not like him exactly. And it begins to hurt. Do you, you know what, anybody know what I'm talking about? Is that just me or? When I was born, I thought I was, I thought I was God. <laughs> Isn't that the problem? <laughs> Come and check out me. I'm amazing. <laughs> when I was in first grade, I was like, hey, we're all doing art, and I stopped the whole class. Everybody stop what you're doing. Your art is inferior. I want you to see a piece of work. I was completely convinced that mine was the best. I still think it was. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> My mama told me it was. I was winning art contests, and I, I did win art contests. I was winning some engineering contests and some writing contests. I was. But in fact, what was happening to that little first grade boy was, I'm God. Something inside of me was saying, guys, stop. Your image is flawed, but mine's not. You know what really got my attention is, I don't know if they did this with y'all in, in grade school. Because we were in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I was going to Roosevelt Elementary out there. And they did this thing where they have you put your lips on the water fountain. And then you put it in a Petri dish with blood. And you stick your mouth in a Petri dish, and then they put it on there, and they let it, like, uh, sit for, like, a few day, uh, weeks. Ooh. Your godness starts to change. <laughs> it grows this filthy, nasty bacteria. I was like, something's wrong. I thought I was amazing. Okay, I'm amazing, but something's off on that. How could that come from me? It must have been the other kid. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean? The arrogance of the human heart. Now, some of us didn't have that, that problem. We knew. We said, I am no good. I'll never amount to anything. That's arrogance too, okay? Because you were created for him. What's to be done? All right, you know what? You know what? I'm going for it. I'm going justification by faith alone. I'm going to allow, I'm going to allow God to change me to look like him. You heard me say a few weeks ago that the, the, the Holy Spirit wakes me up again. He says, the Father's predilection is your double predestination. I said, oh, that's another mouthful. Predilection, it means to be chosen in advance. Elected, picked out, wanted. Ephesians 1, 4. Oh, this is good. Thank you. So let's look at it. Ephesians 1, 4. Even in his love, he chose us. Out. Out Anastasin. It's called the out resurrection. That's, that's another thing. You can listen to it on the podcast because I can't get into everything. But he chose us out for himself, for his own. In Christ before, thank you, Steve, so much, before the foundation of the world. His predilection. 
that we should be holy, set apart, consecrated, blameless in his sight. Matthew 5, 48, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Blameless in his sight, even, listen to this, above reproach. Before him in love. I said, Lord, what's this double predestination thing? There's a lot of guys that have different points on this, and you can look them up. He said, my, my desire that you would voluntarily love and allow me to determine you would bring about your greatest freedom. I gave you your freedom and your will. My longing is that you would choose to want my will. That you would want my determination. And in that way, you will be completely free. It is the Father's predilection for your double predestination that his full determination and your full freedom are one. And you know what you have? The double of the Godhead. You. You have a double. God in the Godhead has finally found someone that looks just like him. Colossians 1.20, now you see we're down the road now, and then we're picking up from 119 at our entry point. We've come down the road a little bit, and God purposed that through the intervention of his son, all things would be completely reconciled back to himself. Romans 11, I believe it's, you can check me on this, somebody check me on this, 34 or 36, and from him and through him, and to him are all things. To him be the praise and the glory. Oh, come on now. Whatever's in the heavens and whatever in the earth, as through him he has now made peace by the blood that was shed on the cross. I was really struggling with this because I was like, I don't have a term for this. And the Lord gave me the term, and we're going to do a 10-part series in this. How can you get 10 parts? We got the whole thing today. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. You know. Yeah, I'm going to expound the entire thing today, and it'll never end, you know. But I said, Lord, what? how do I put a name around this? And you heard me a few weeks ago. I was kind of like in the spirit. I, I am Tevatron. <laughs> I didn't know what else to call. The imprint of the Father. Of the Son on the human spirit. Teva means anything that's not made with man's hands. Because he says, I can't come and dwell in temples made with what? So we need a Teva. We need anything that's not made with man's hands. That would be God. That's why I'm wearing these shoes, Teva shoes. They're from Israel. I don't want to be made with my own. I don't want to be made out of, would y'all agree that our image and likeness, I don't want to decide it anymore. It's not necessarily the most prettiest thing I've ever seen or, you know, good looking or smart or whatever. I mean, maybe it was for some of us. I don't know. But whatever, we realize that something's missing. I need a Teva. I need this Teva. So going back, if God seeks a dwelling place or a residence to have hypostasis with, if he seeks a union of dwelling. 
then he himself would have to correct the problem that's inside of man so that he could actually dwell with man. He, he would have to be the one, the arbiter, the reconciler, to repair it because only he could fix it. And he's done that through the man of Jesus Christ. It's complete. You see what I'm saying? And so God can't come and dwell in a temple of your own picking and choosing and your design. And then Tron. And so I, I went online, I looked up Tron, and I found these three words. Positron, cyclotron, and ignotron. And I said, oh, man, it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Positron, the Father. Everything comes from him. He's the originator. Cyclotron cycles inside, right? Radiates out of the sun. It's the radiance. He upholds it where his power. Oh, this Holy Ghost. Ignite the Tron. I don't know how much experience you've had with the Trinity coming to you, but I've uh, experienced now all three persons. And I, I want to say, and, and the early church fathers was having a problem with this because you couldn't kind of like figure out Hebrews 1, 3 because they're like, he's God in three persons. Now, how does that work? Because how is he distinct, but at, yet at the same time God? And everybody's had a lot of trouble with this, and I, I myself have had some trouble with this. I had the father come to me about 21 weeks ago, and he told me his name. He said, I'm Hashem. His characteristic is like a really cool daddy, a daddy that can cut a joke with you at the same time correct you. He's like that. He's like, I don't know. You know how dads can be, you know. The wisdom's coming out of them, and it's like, a, and then it's like, <laughs> you know. And he, like, tells me that he's the father, and uh, he said, you think you're cool? I'm really cool. It was like that. I could see him flying in on his chariot. Check this out, boys. I mean, he's straight up dudehood, the father. He is a dude of the dude of the ultimate kind. He got all my respect. I like that guy. He has, like, a space vehicle. <laughs> The father, he rides on a chariot. That's the way they describe it. But, I mean, he's riding in a space chariot. And I was like, you're so cool. He's like, yeah, I'm Hashem. I'm the name. I can't even tell you all my other names. You talk about name dropping. And he was so polite, too. And yet, I thought he had, like, said, I couldn't really come and hang out with you yet because you thought too highly of yourself. And then I want to tell you who you are as a father, which I was sort of blown away about who I was to the father. And I thought, man, I must be amazing. And then he comes and tells me he's more amazing. <laughs> of course he is. I met Hashem and then related to the son so much because he's, he's super relational. He's funny too, by the way. He cracks jokes. He's hilarious. He is really cool. He's got his own chariot, space vehicle also. He's really cool. He, he wants to hang out. He's super connected. But he's still like, he's like your older brother that's really cool kind of thing. I mean, he's just, he's just a great guy. And a few weeks ago, we're in this meeting here, and the Holy Spirit tells me I'm above the pavilion. 
And it's a long story, but the lady in purple, what was her name? Katrina. She comes up here, she sings a song. Well, when she comes up here, and it's nothing about her, I all tense up inside. And uh, I asked Stephen, he did too. And I said, man, what's going on? You know, and I, when I feel that tension, I always feel like I need to push away or get back or correct something or put something in order. She sings this beautiful song and she goes off and there he is, another person, the third person of the Godhead. He's standing there and he is, he's like a 10,000 year old baby. And he feels like, do y'all remember uh, the movie, is it in A Wonderful Life? When the angel, the guy's about to throw himself off the bridge, and the angel comes up, what, Clarence? That's how he felt, Clarence. I don't know how else to explain. It's like a little child that's kind of giggly, but then he's like brilliant wisdom and has everything. It just felt like that. I don't know how to explain. It makes me feel so awkward. And I said, all I know to do is hold myself. <laughs> third person of the Godhead is so maternal. I love all you ladies. But sometimes the feminine can be, for us pioneers and stuff, <laughs> getting it done. The maternal can be so, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I knew distinctly that he was another person. And I knew that my nature would want to push him away. I, I, I said to the, I said to the Lord, I, I said, I don't really understand this, and I'm going to, I'm going to bring this plane in. I don't understand. I don't understand, Lord, because the glory of what we're saying involving sonship is so amazing that this third person of the Godhead. How can he be so different? And I'm already experiencing so much what they called in filiation, connection with the Father, that's so glorious. You know, when you're connected to him, it'll wash through you. You'll feel his love, his presence. I'm like, what could be greater than that? And then he came, and, you know, we all experienced him here. And I couldn't understand, I'll just be honest. And so I found this this week. We've already seen that there are two processions or internal activities in God. The knowing and the willing of God. The New Testament and the teaching authority of the church say that the Son proceeds from the Father by the act of revelation or by the intellect. God, the Father relates to the Son through the consciousness. The Holy Spirit also proceeds from the Father and the Son. But the New Testament does not specify precisely how he or what way he proceeds. The common teaching of the great theologians like Augustine and Thomas Aquinas is that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the will or from the mutual love of the Father and the Son. Accordingly, there is a special relationship between the Holy Spirit and the acts of the will. 
especially the act of love, which proceeds from the will and not from the intellect. Do you see the difference? When I've taught so much about the bending of the, the mind towards blank slate to come under zero, what I've been affected in teaching and preaching is, is that to turn off your thing and turn your mind, give your whole self to the Father. Why? Because I know that if you will, through relational faith with him, you'll be transformed and this union will be effective of sonship and full sonship will become a reality and hypostasis will uh, be the result of that. You will have complete union with the Father as the Son of the Lord. And in that full hypostatic union, in the full reconnection of the eight points, that you would bend your will. Not just a product of the mind, but your will would be so turned that it would be only his will and not yours. The will of the Son and the Father, that so much so, the Holy Spirit, who sees Jesus being lifted up in you, would come. Because if Christ be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. You see? What is he after? The mystery is Christ in you, right? The hope of what? Glory. It's a profile that I would like to term, and we'll start out this series, Tevatron. It's the soul that says, God can't dwell in any temple made with man's hands. And the triune Godhead has complete access to you. You're fully his, and he's fully you. And when Christ is fully formed in you, and it says, Paul said this, he said, I'm laboring for this one thing, that Christ be formed in you. That is true apostolos ministry. That Christ be formed. The fullness of the Godhead bodily. But you you and I, and you know, we draw these to a conclusion. You and I must agree. Because God will not impose himself on you to fully form Christ in you. You, you can't isolate and disconnect. You've got to want him. Himself as one thing. Come, uh, dwell in me. Come and take up residence in me. The church is largely vacant of power. Why? Because. Why? Because there's a need that Christ be fully formed in you. And let us be real that maybe he's not. And let us be real not to not to get down, but to get to look up as Abraham did and rise up. Maybe you'll stand with me right now. Uh, rise up. Rise up, rise, rise up and and uh, and look at him. Uh, we had this happen in worship. You can feel the gazing up of your eyes. It's a posture. It's a distinct posture. It's not isolation. It's not arrogance. It's just a looking up and beholding. It's a full trustment in that trust. It's transfer of connection. 
the corrosion of the uh, mechanical substrate starts to come off. It cracks away the blackness and the darkness, which the Nolans have been so instrumental in helping so many people breaking off all these false mindsets. Starts, you know, come off and now why? For hypostate, hypostatic union with the Father. Now what? God has a divine human interface in you. And all things give glory to the Son, back to the Father. You know what happens when this gets heated up? I was feeling it this morning. Those contacts heat up and they become a flame of fire and you burn. You burn with eternal bliss and eternal joy and eternal love of the, of the triune Godhead. The Lord, Holy Spirit told me, he says, I'm a poet. And I knew that he meant turn to this poetry. Oh, living flame of love that tenderly wounds my soul in its deepest center. Since now you are not oppressive, now consummate. If it be your will, tear through the veil of this sweet encounter. Oh, sweet cautery. Oh, delightful wound. Many of us, when we are wounded, we act out in a wrong way. Why don't we just go ahead and let the Lord into the wound? Let him come on in. He's been touching it, and every time he does, we people either get mad or sad. You know what's going to happen? You're going to get so glad when someone touches it. You're going to be glad because you're going to walk in full liberty. No more. The wound hits and it isolates you and separates you. No more anger, but just love. Burning. Because it becomes your greatest delight. A friend of mine years ago, he called it the death love. I didn't know. He said, I don't know what else to call it. Old gentle hand. Old delicate touch. That taste of eternal life and pays every debt. And killing you changed death to life. O lamps of fire. In whose splendors the deep caverns of filling once were obscure and blind. Now give forth, so rarely, so exquisitely, both warmth and light to your beloved. Can you, can you say this? I'm the beloved of the Lord, or I'm your beloved. Say it to the Lord. I'm your beloved. I'm your beloved. That's what messes with me every time. I'm loved by you. I'm your love. You love me. How gently and how lovingly you wake in my heart. Awake, awakening. We're in secret. You listen, dwell. You, Yasheb, you Shabbat alone. Where you Shabbat alone. And in your sweet breathing, breathes on us the Holy Spirit, uh, tongues of fire, filled with good and glory. How tenderly you swell in my heart with love. Radiation, radi radiate. 
the radiation upheld by the word of the power. Now we're on target. We become the target of the Lord's infection. His greatest desire, his greatest delight, that he would know himself in you. That through you, we go back to him. To him be the glory, the honor, and the praise. Let's take communion. Lord, take communion. We've had a mistranslation of our wound. And many of us have been wounded. And many of us have been hurt. I think, I think that many times I've reacted in a way I shouldn't. Something comes to touch that wound, and it cold and anger go back into isolation. The Lord, I think he would ask you, would you just lean in where it hurts? Will you just lean in to him in the pain and let him heal you? And let the wound become your greatest delight because he's there with you. And he'll never leave you. And he'll never forsake you. Drive your heart into the wound. Let the cross come in. 
Don't run from the wound. Run into it. I'm not accepted. I'm not approved of. They don't like me. They've rejected me. Go in. Go in. Don't isolate. Yes, those things may be true, but go to him. And let the wound burn hot with fiery love. Let, let the love expose the wound, heal the wound, cauterize the wound, and may you become filled with fire of God's love. You're going to have to turn into it. Eat love. I told my kids this this morning, in our morning brief on the way here, love will never fail you. If you go all the way for love, man will fail you. People will fail you, but God's word will never fail you. Go for love. Go for love for him, and go for love for others the way he shows you to. It'll never fail you if you go all in. You will not be bankrupt. You will not be left alone. Don't isolate. Don't get, don't get proud. Just go in. Let the wound be finally and for good healed. And let light shine out of your person. Let light radiate in glory and a fullest forth while the Holy Spirit works out something that none of us could work out for ourselves while he changes everything and every circumstance around us while the family is completely restored and families put back together lean in lean in lean in and let him be the one thing let him have a place to dwell said this is my body which is broken for you to do this in remembrance of me This is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today.